Hi, and thanks for tuning in to Speak Up, Speech Pathology Australia's podcast. Each week, we feature an interesting, thought-provoking and clinically relevant conversation to enhance your speech pathology practice. Let's hear from this week's contributors. Hello, this is Nathan Cornish Raley speaking to you today from the lands of the Muinana people. I'm very pleased to be speaking today with Professor Sharon McLeod and Professor Julie Marshall about the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and Speech Pathology. Professors McLeod and Marshall were guest editors of a special issue of the International Journal of Speech Language Pathology, which describes an impressive range of ways that our profession interacts with areas like poverty and hunger and climate and justice. And I'm happy to be chatting with them about how we can promote a sustainable future through our work. So Professor Marshall and Professor McLeod, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's great to be chatting with you. And to many speech pathologists, you don't need an introduction, but I wondered if you could tell us a bit about yourselves and also how you came to be involved with this project. Thank you. I'll start if that's okay. Um, So I'm Julie Marshall. I am a speech and language therapist, as we would say in the UK. Um, I'm a UK um, educated and uh, speech language therapist, and I have uh, done clinical work, research, and principally taught speech and language therapy students for many years in the UK. In addition to that, a lot of my research work is around supporting people in under-resourced settings to develop services for people who experience communication disability. And a great deal of that work has been in low and middle income countries, particularly in Africa. So I've worked on research, service development, on education of speech language therapists and others. And Sharon and I have worked together over many years. She was um, the editor of IJSLP at a time when a group of us um, were guest editors of an edition focused on the World Report on Disability and its relationship to speech language pathology and swallowing difficulties. Since then, Sharon and I have worked together and in Sharon's usual way, she came up with this fantastic idea of um, having a special edition around the Sustainable Development Goals and I was delighted that she asked me to join her in editing it and the rest really is history. So I'm going to hand over to Sharon now to introduce herself. Thank you. Thanks, Julie. We did have fun, didn't we? So um, so I, my name's Sharon McLeod and I'm at Charles Sturt University in Bathurst, uh, a place that is on Wiradjuri land. Um, we have 30 about 37, 38,000 people in Bathurst, but due to the internet, the world is large. Um, I really love working with people across the world and have been involved in many projects. Um, The current ones um, include uh, the Oxford Handbook of Speech Development in Languages of the World. We've got 76 languages and dialects in that book that's just about to go to press. So I've got a lot of friends throughout the world and have had the privilege to learn from and speak with a lot of people. Most recently, our largest project has been in Vietnam. So Julie and I bring different components of the world to our work as well. Um, I My area of 
um, specialty is different from Julie's as well. And this is one of the reasons we partnered. Um, Julie does a lot of work with people who use AAC devices and she thinks about dysphagia and she thinks about um, working with the UN in Rwanda about sexual and gender-based violence and all sorts of things like that, whereas I work more with children and children's speech and children's speech acquisition and multilingualism as a superpower for children. Um, I have, over the years of my involvement with Speech Pathology Australia, first as an editor and then I pop in every so often as a guest editor, have been privileged to work in a number of these large um, internationally focused special issues. The most recent one prior to this was the communication rights one that we actually took to the United Nations in 2019. And we've had over 200,000 downloads of that um, special issue. So this particular special issue um, seemed to be the next sensible step and um, Speech Pathology Australia is really well known on the world stage for our international lens and really being attuned to the goals of the World Health Organization and the United Nations. So it seemed to be very sensible for us to be thinking about the sustainable development goals. Yeah, well, and you know, this issue of the IJSLP seems like a really big undertaking. I mean, 36 papers written from authors from, um, I think I counted 36 different countries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so did you think that you would get that kind of a response? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> because between Julie and I, um, we have a lot of friends who've got a lot of friends who've got a lot of friends. And um, so we set up the special issues so that um, we had an, a call for expressions of interest and we had well over 60, close to 70 EOIs when we only gave like a, a month or two um, deadline for that. So we actually had a really hard decision because basically all of them could have gone in. And so we had a big discussion with Speech Pathology Australia about making the issue very fat and this was as many as they would let us put it in. So then we had to choose which ones went in. And so in our EOI, we said we would privilege the voices of people whose voices were not frequently heard, particularly from low and middle income countries, people who had various lived experiences of different issues were to be privileged. And we also wanted to get um Uh, papers on every one of the 17 sustainable development goals. So um, we put all of that into our, um, it sounds like an algorithm, but it was actually our heads and uh, made some very hard decisions. And we're really sorry to anybody who's listening who didn't get in because we really could have had you. And that was probably the hardest part of the entire special issue. Yeah. Well, what do you think the, that kind of response tells us about how speech pathologists see themselves and communication positioned in global sustainable development. Actually, Julie, do you want to answer that? Yeah. Um, I think it tells us some really positive things about speech language pathologists. I think it tells us, firstly, that we really know and are able to articulate the fact that communication is central to life. And that's the really 
key thing. The second thing that it tells us, I think, is that speech language pathologists are very flexible thinkers. They're able to turn what they're doing to different sorts of agendas, different sorts of perspectives. So they're able to see not just as communication central to life, but in what way. So they can they can align and see the importance of the work that they're doing, whether it's research or whether it's practice, um, or whether it's training others and see how it fits each of those sustainable development goals. And I think it's been um, fantastic for all of us. I think Sharon and I feel like we've learned an awful lot about Um, the breadth of speech language pathology, the breadth of work um, that people are doing, their thinking and their writing is so flexible and so outside of the box. So I think it's been a fantastic experience and I'd really encourage people to to read, even if you only get as far as reading all of the abstracts um, and not the full papers, just to see that kind of breadth of work that we do and the way we think. Sharon, is there anything you'd like to add to that? No, just... Everybody stop what you're doing and Google it. (laughs) Um, Google, you can actually get it just from going IJSLP for International Journal of Speech Language Pathology and then SDGs. That's how I got it, but maybe I've Googled that a few times uh, for Sustainable Development Goals. So IJSLP, um, SDGs, and you probably have got it. We'll also be sure that there's a link in the show notes to the IJSLP. Uh, So I wonder if you could give us an overview of the 17 Sustainable Development Goals and, you know, how they came to be and and what's next for them. Sure. So um, if you were at the Speech Pathology Australia conference, you could have been at the workshop that gave this information. So I've just got my slides open. Um, The Sustainable Development Goals, according to the United Nations in 2015, provides a shared blueprint for peace and prosperity for people and the planet now and into the future. Now, I think sometimes when we think about the Sustainable Development Goals and look at the images of it, we think about the planet. But in fact, more of the SDGs are about people than the planet. So let me read that again. The SDGs provides a shared blueprint for peace and prosperity for people and the planet now and into the future. And they define sustainable development as development that meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. And that's where the concept of sustainable comes from. So meeting the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. Now, the United Nations actually has um, goals that they want to achieve. So you may have remembered from 2000 to 2015, they had the Millennium Development Goals that were set. And so the Sustainable Development Goals are the next 15 years goals for the United Nations. They go from 2015 to 20. 30. So we're basically exactly halfway through. And so that was really good timing for us to do this special issue. Um, the aim, one of the things that the SDGs have aimed to do is to answer some criticisms about the Millennium Development Goal, so, the goal, so that it has a broader focus that includes people with disabilities, older adults, uh, concepts of gender, peace, the environment, and also thinks about 
people from low and middle income countries. So the 17 SDGs, I'm not going to read them all out, but they're underpinned by five principles. And sometimes the UN talks about the five Ps, and they are people, planet, prosperity, peace, and partnership. And I'm just going to read the words that go with prosperity, because oftentimes speech pathologists don't think of the word prosperity. You know, you might think of the word people, planet, prosperity, peace, and partnership. You might think of the other words. So one of the definitions of prosperity is we are determined to ensure that all human beings can enjoy prosperous and fulfilling lives and that economic, social and technological progress occurs in harmony with nature. And so enjoying, ensuring that all human beings can enjoy prosperous and fulfilling lives is really what we do every day of our lives. And so there's many aspects of this, that of what we do that really links to the SDGs. So I noticed that there's an emphasis throughout the work on global partnerships and co-constructing change with local communities of people uh, with lived experience. Were there any lessons learned about partnerships and multidirectional learning that stood out to you? Lots of learning, and I think it's really worth looking at the different papers um, within the special edition and looking at the different kinds of partnerships, because obviously partnerships are with people who experience communication and swallowing difficulties, with people who care for and support them, with people who work with them in a professional capacity, with other speech-language pathologists in the same setting or perhaps a different part of the world. So lots of different kinds of partnerships. I think there's a few key things that stand out Um, to me about partnerships. Firstly, that partnerships take time. And I think that's a real challenge in the kind of world that we all work in where um, we're expected to have results quickly. But developing partnerships, taking time, sitting with people, um, getting to know them, getting to really understand their context are the kind of things that are often not valued or not, um, we're not given time for um, in our work. So time is really important. The second thing I think is that um, as I read the papers, I think about how positive, a positive intention or a positive motivation to work with people isn't enough to ensure that you have a good partnership, that we need to think really hard again about taking time and about understanding particularly for our white minority world monolingual speech language pathologists, we really need to think about this this idea of decolonizing our minds, of thinking differently about the way that we see the world, the way that we think we should change things for our clients, the way that we should work with the people, the way that we should measure our outcomes, every aspect of the work that that we're doing and therefore in partnerships with other people needs really a a lot of thought, a lot of work and will be really uncomfortable work for many of us. We've got lots of unlearning to do in our partnerships when we think about um, assumptions about that we might assume are universal, about how partnership work is done, about what outcomes are, what success looks like, um, 
what constitutes human rights. So we've got a fantastic paper in the in the edition by um, Pillay et al. who actually really question um, some of the work around what the SDGs are, what they're for. So I'd really encourage people to think about that to, to so that we're not just assuming that we, the way we do partnerships and the work that we're doing is right. We're questioning, we're critiquing, and, and therefore forcing ourselves to think differently as we develop and refine our partnerships. You know, Professor McLeod mentioned that uh, we really focused on learning and knowledge from people from countries that aren't always represented in, in the literature that we consume, um, you know, in, in MRA partner countries. And that was really important. And so in terms of working people, helping people perhaps who aren't, um, who haven't had um lots of opportunities to publish before. There have been lots of teams of writers where um, there have been authors who haven't published in peer-reviewed papers before. And it was really important to us to work with people. Um, We had to sort of accept that we had to work in that one way of writing for a peer-reviewed journal. Even that in itself gets us to think about partnerships, gets us to think about our assumptions about what good writing is. But we worked quite extensively with some groups of people to make sure people were included who had really important things to say, but perhaps this kind of work was new to them. And that was really important to us. And in mm. fact, to add to that, I love the flexibility of the International Journal of Speech-Language Pathology. It's a, a style that we introduced when the new name changed um, in that each of the 36 papers are commentary papers. They are not full research papers. We did not allow full research papers. We only allowed 3,000-word commentary papers for this for two reasons. One was because we wanted the commentary. We wanted the scope for people to draw in their research, to draw in their knowledge and comment. We also wanted to make sure that we had short enough papers to have more short papers than fewer long papers as well. So you'll notice every paper is a commentary paper, which makes it fabulous to put that special issue on your coffee table when it arrives or to just have it bookmarked. And when you're sitting waiting for a child at music lessons or something, it's the right length of time to um, just read one. What were some of the things you discovered or interesting perspectives on sustainability that you found during this project? There were some really interesting questions about sustainability um, in a number of different papers, some of them quite challenging. So the really interesting paper about um, the ban on plastic straws and how um, that is contentious for um, some people who need to use plastic straws um, so some of our, our clients and our, our colleagues. Um, so thinking about sustainability, how it might be a double-edged sword, something that perhaps many people of the world would think is a, a positive move isn't necessarily for everybody. So challenges there around sustainability. There was some lovely work also um, around sustainability in terms of thinking about how we can introduce issues around sustainability and more broadly the SDGs 
into the work that we do. So we're sort of slipping it in, you know, as we're choosing what to work on with children or adults. The topic of our speech and language therapy intervention. So a lovely paper by um, Kate Crow and colleagues looking at how we introduce the SDGs into work that we might be doing with children um, and equally in adults. So thinking about sustainability very broadly. Um, and the really interesting papers about all sorts of topics that I would never have thought about in um, in relation to our field um, around green spaces, around um, um, architectural design, um, and thinking about what the voices of people with communication and swallowing um, disabilities might have um, to put into those um, much broader issues around sustainability than we might ever have thought about. So I think there's some really interesting and unexpected um, perspectives. And what it really says is people who experience communication and swallowing difficulties should be included in all decisions and should be consulted and should be co-working on a, a huge um, range of, of issues in our environment and um, going forward um, across the planet. Yeah. And, you know, it, I was mentioned earlier that I was impressed with the, just the range of ways that we as a profession um, can interact with the sustainability goals and um, the things we can do. And, and in our discussions in preparation, you know, we've talked about the, the plastic straw ban and how it was something that was designed that kind of makes people feel good. Like, yeah, I'm doing something for the environment, but when it's not co-constructed with, uh, you know, with others and with people with disabilities that um, sometimes those good intentions fall flat. Absolutely. So it really says we need to consult really widely and we need to make sure that people with disabilities and people with specifically with communication disabilities are visible and active in all kinds of workplace settings in policy settings um, for example so that so that those perspectives are really um, surfaced in all kinds of workplace mm. settings all kinds of policy and service settings so there has been an international call for an additional sustainable development goal uh, SDG 18 communication for all can you tell us about this and um, where it fits in with sustainable development? Sure. Um, so we were merrily working on this special issue without knowledge of this call for SDG 18. Um, and one of my colleagues at work who works in media contacted me and knew that I was working on this special issue and she said, are you part of this new book that's being published by Rutledge that Jan Surveyas, who's the former UNESCO chair in communication for sustainable social change, is putting together? And I said, no, what's this about? And she said, oh, the abstracts have just closed, but um, it's called SDG 18 Communication for All. And it was like, oh, my goodness, I've got to be in this. So um, I worked with my colleagues Sarah Verdon and Kate Crow and we put in a late abstract and, you know, basically said, you're doing this book, communication for all, 
have you got people with communication disability in your book? And they graciously allowed us to put in a chapter that talks speaks to the all because most of the work that was going into this book, and it's ended up being a two-volume uh, book that's published just a few weeks ago or maybe a month ago by Rutledge um, called SDG 18 Communication for All. Um, it focuses on the media, focuses on the right to protest, focuses on libraries, focuses on, you know, communication, but not as much the for all as we as speech pathologists think about the for all. And so um, Kate and um, Sarah and I were able to write a paper, a, a book chapter called Communication for All, including people with a communication disability, children and people who do not speak dominant languages. So we really thought about people whose voices were marginalised. So that was happening on the side of this special issue. So then when it came for Julie and I to pull the special issue together, to write the lead article that really spoke into all of the papers, we thought, well, that's what we've done. We've actually, this special issue is about communication for all. So although the special issue's name wasn't that, we thought we really should use that tagline for our um, for our lead article um, to speak into that. And then we, in the lead article, we have a section for each one of the SDGs and talk very briefly about every one of the papers in the special issue and then have um, a table at the end that demonstrates just the breadth and depth of the special issue showing the papers, the countries uh, that the authors are from and that are, they address and the different SDGs that um, come into each paper. So it was a happy coincidence, really, that we were aligned with this work of the um, former UNESCO Chair in Communication for Sustainable Social Change. Excellent. And um so a speech pathologist that's listening to this podcast and is an in interested in moving forward SDG 18, um, is there a way that they can contribute to that or support that? Um, sure. So a speech pathology Australia has actually um, developed a website about this and um, there's a few ways that we have thought about this at the conference. So one of the things that I got everybody to do was literally have, a, a, we gave them a list of the SDGs and they had to reflect on, before we began, what they thought they did to support that. And so somebody talked about composting or, you know, <laughs> different things that they are doing in their personal lives and in even in their practices. There were people thinking about the planet more and then, um, then as we talked, uh, people were encouraged to write down what they're doing personally, professionally, for at, at a local community and societal 
level um and so to put that on their notice boards or at home on their fridge and really think about that the other thing is drawing back on what julie talked about with kate crow and her colleagues from iceland's paper is encouraging people to embed the sdgs into intervention targets and 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 work so you know when you're working with children why not work on an s the sdg that links to life underwater why not actually think about how can we do things to save the planet um, or to reduce inequalities or or you know support partnerships or peace justice and strong institutions um, and so we would really like this to be the beginning. And one of the things that I would like um, to do is we do a lot of work with young children and getting them to draw themselves talking. I'm really interested in having children draw the sustainable development goals as well and think about their contribution to each one of those. So, you know, I think we've got uh, there's just so much scope. I do encourage people, though, to not just use the infographic. Each of the sustainable development goals actually have specific targets. So like SDG 18, Decent Work and Economic Growth, oh, sorry, 8, SDG 8, um, has, you know, goal 8.1.1 and 8.1.2 and things like that. So if you click into that, um, it's really good to also acquaint yourself with the type of goals that the UN's thinking of. It doesn't mean that you can't invent your angle on it, I don't think. Although we must say, and we didn't say this at the beginning, that the UN has not approved anything and any of our interpretation of this. And it's really important and that is written in various points on the special issues. So this is our interpretation of it, but we're really excited about it and really hope to take it to the UN next year. Well, that would be incredible. <laughs> uh, and like any global change, it sounds like it's really the um, individual acts that speech pathologists do, you know, in their local sphere of influence that, that you know, well, global and global. And, you know, we, we live in a very global world too, so there are ways that we can work, you know, yeah, to think broadly and also narrowly. <laughs> mm. Indeed. Well, uh, as we mentioned, there are 36 articles and it would be impossible to dive into all of them, but I did want to spend a little time talking about a few of the articles and some interesting things in in those articles. Um, and one that I found particularly interesting was on digital health autonomy. And uh, the authors of that article were Australian, and two of them, I believe, use AAC to communicate. Mm -hmm. um, and they made the point that digital autonomy is an extension of bodily autonomy and that rights don't end with the physical body, but continue online and into a digital ecosystem, which has implications for how we support access to e-health applications and digital health literacy. Um, so what can you tell us about how digital health and how access can reduce inequalities for people with disabilities? 
Look, I'm really grateful to um, highlight the work of Fiona Given, um, Meredith Allen um, and Bronwyn Hemsley and team. Uh, I was very so happy to be at the United Nations in 2019 with Meredith Allen and then to, uh, yesterday I finally met Fiona Given who was able to come straight from the aeroplane straight onto the stage and present this work um, at our workshop. <laughs> it was fantastic um, using her AAC device. So um, I, I'm just so grateful for their just intellect and, and thoughtfulness in this space and, and um, grace with which they teach us. Um, their message is without co-design, tech advancements fail to benefit those who most need support with communication. They really believe that better access to accessible co-design technologies and opportunities to use them will strengthen self-determination and autonomy in health decisions. And at the UN, Meredith told a story about how she made it to a medical facility to have a particular procedure all by herself, you know, arrived in the waiting room and they refused to let her have the procedure because she was using an AAC device and didn't have somebody with her to support her and she didn't need anybody with her. Um, and so there are very powerful stories again of the lived experience um, of these women and others in this SDGs uh, paper about digital health autonomy. And um, Meredith at lunch today at the conference, um, no, sorry, not Meredith, Fiona at lunch today at the conference was saying how she really had to use um, e-health and, and digital health to access her blood test results and things like that. And so, you know, just in day to day, um, it's, it's very important to co-design these um, just, you know, day-to-day -day things that we all need to access because it just makes it better for everyone um, in society. So, yeah, great paper. Read it. Absolutely, Sharon. And I think there's probably even more that we can learn from those papers. So not just the co-design, but an understanding when um, digital health is being used that for practitioners this shouldn't be something that they they can choose to opt out of so there's no point in designing really useful e-health if the the people who service users are working with are not opted into it so i think it's it speaks to a much wider um challenge around um not something that is new to any speech language pathologist but is about ensuring that that the public other workers in health, education and the public sector and the private sector understand something about communication disability, understand how um, e-health, AAC, digital health um, are even more important to some people than others and are not something you can opt out of, choose not to engage with. Um, so that work that we're doing that's taking a much more social human rights um, approach towards um, communication and swallowing disability really has to be emphasised um, with both the, 
the public and the rest of the workforce. Otherwise, um, fantastic designs that we use won't, you know, are, are not going to be as successful as they could be. So that public awareness, public health, education um, perspective is going to continue to be really important for us as speech language pathologists, which is a bit outside mm. of the e-health, yes. but it's like, it, I suppose what I'm saying is that um, mm. digital health can't work in isolation unless people who are using it and interacting with it, and by that I mean the workforce or the general public, have to have bought into it and understood why it's really more important to some uh, members of the community than others. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, another article that I wanted to talk about uh, was, again, an Australian article um, about how people with disabilities are disproportionately affected by climate change disasters. Um, and one of the articles discusses a bushfire recovery program um, with multidisciplinary support for child wellness and development after bushfires. Um, will speech pathologists in Australia and around the globe be taking an increasing role in supporting people who are impacted by climate change? And, and how do we prepare for that? Um, yes, I hope so. I think so. And I think many people already are doing things. But I, I love this paper because it actually is a beautiful interdisciplinary um, paper. Actually, it's interesting that you chose this one because it's my colleagues from Charles Sturt University. Um, the paper's led by Nicole McGill and Sarah Burden, um, speech um, pathologists, but then working with a multidisciplinary team um, from a, a range of different health professions. And they worked with um, the Royal Far West Bushfire Recovery Program team um, to support children's recovery, resilience and development in the aftermath of Australia's Black Summer bushfires in 2019 and 2020. And they were able to work on coping strategies enabling children to more effectively communicate with adults and peers about their feelings and experiences and the residual impacts of bushfires. Um, they used a range of methodologies. So when you open the um, paper, they've got, you know, a little one drawing themselves with goosebumps uh, before the program and then um, how they felt after the program was that they um, felt happy and you can see this little one with the hands up and another one uh, drew a koala with thumbs down before the program and then a koala with thumbs up afterwards. So they, um, you know, it was all about supporting kids' resilience and understanding. I know that the work of Suzanne Hoff in um, the Pacific, um, you know, Pacific nations are really... Um, thinking very hard at the moment and some, you know, as their countries are um, shrinking due to um, the rising seawater, you know, we as speech pathologists need to be public citizens and open our eyes beyond clinic rooms and really know and value our skills in these spaces and be really prepared to get outside, look around and just see what we can do and how we can use these skills with our colleagues, um, other health 
allied health colleagues to just make a really big difference um, in kids and adults lives across the world. Hmm, thank you. Well, my final question. Um, yeah, we talked earlier about doing the work of decolonizing our profession and um, the systems that we work in. Um, did any of the authors share information about culturally or uh, language responsive practices that you think speech pathologists can really incorporate into their practice to create equity and sustainability, particularly for indigenous peoples or, or uh, other minor minoritized peoples? I think that there was there were lots of perspectives on working in culturally responsive ways across many of the papers. Um, and there's an awful lot for us to learn from that. Um, I think the wider principle, and many um, SPA members will be familiar with this already, is the principle about being, being prepared individually and collectively to challenge what we think of as our professional ways of thinking and knowing and being prepared to consider that there are other ways of thinking and knowing that there are other ways to consider things that in the past we have seen as being universal. So ideas about language development, ideas about professional behaviour, um, ideas about um, typical interaction, ideas about what constitutes um, an appropriate way to communicate with other people. So there are lots of um, comments embedded within the papers that I think speak to these issues and to me really say that we have to keep working on thinking about cultural responsiveness as being a consciousness, an attitude, a responsivity to people. So rather than focusing on learning about particular groups, rather than focusing on cultural knowledge, we use all of this, this reading and learning from other people's papers to help us to think about an attitude that we take towards cultural responsivity. Um, and again, I think um, referring to that paper by Mershon Pillay, Quiggan and um, Cathod, there's some really thoughtful and provoking ideas in there um, to challenge our ideas about what it is to be culturally um, responsive in the way that we that we work going forward to, to play our part in achieving um, the SDGs. Professor Julie Marshall and Professor Sharon McLeod, it has been an absolute pleasure to speak with you today. It's been our pleasure. Thank you so much. Please click on it. There's already been over 21,800 people downloading our papers in just over two months. So this is a hot topic at the moment throughout the world. Uh, join us in reading and really learning from these wise people who've taken the time to share what they're doing. Thanks so much. And again, we'll include a link in the show notes so you can find that easily. Um, and thank you to our listeners. Please join us again next week for another edition of Speak Up. We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Please be sure to subscribe or follow the podcast and share it with your colleagues. You can also visit us at speechpathologyaustralia.org.au. Thanks for listening and bye for now.